All right. We're going to um, need that volume because multiple times today I'm going to ask you to yell out one phrase, and that is, our God is greater. Go ahead, say it. Our God is greater. One of the things that uh, I have seen over the years is that we as people often forget that we are in the middle of a war zone. Um, years ago, my wife and I and a few people that are here um, got a chance to go to Israel. How many of you have ever been to Israel? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, a few of you. It is an amazing place. I love it. Uh, I look forward to going back, hopefully very soon. But you land in Israel, and being Americans, you kind of have this, this fear a little bit that you're landing in a potential war zone. And so for the first day or two, you're kind of watching out. I remember walking down the street in Tel Aviv, wondering what was around me, very watchful. But within a few days, you forget. You become accustomed to it. Well, we were crossing over the border into Jordan. And in our bus, we're going through this very small passage, and we start to see on either side all these military men, these army men with machine guns. And over to the side, you look over and you see something you don't see every day. You see a tank with a man standing at the machine gun. Now, this wasn't that nerve-wracking, except for the fact that they were following our bus with the turret, right? And so as we're moving, the turret is moving. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't make me very calm and collected, right? Well, just as we're moving through it, and I've got a bead of sweat dripping, dripping down my brow, one of our friends in the back decides it's a great idea to take a picture of the tank, so he goes up right next to the window and snaps a picture and the, the uh, flash goes off. And all of a sudden, the bus comes to a halt because all of the soldiers are screaming at us. They're screaming at us in Arabic. And one of them runs up on the bus and he starts yelling at all of us and saying, where's the picture? And our poor uh, Jordanian guide is saying, guys, what are you doing? Where's the picture? Give him the camera. And meanwhile, the tank is right on us. And all of a sudden, it shoots and blows us up. Oh, you following? Okay, good. Now, it, it, what's that? Our God is greater, yeah. We resurrected, we're all here today. Now, the reality was we were scared to death, and so finally we got our friend Jim. We said, Jim, just show him the camera, delete the camera. He deleted the picture, and we got them all off, but they followed us along the whole time. Well, I will tell you what, for the rest of the trip, I had my eyes open, and I was very aware that I was in a potential war zone. Now, we as Christians, especially American Christians, we read the Bible and we see things that it says about putting on armor and, and being in the midst of a battle. But in our daily life, we often forget that we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. We're in the midst of a battle every single day of our lives. The kingdom of darkness is warring against the reign of the true king of heaven, the true creator God that created all of this. Well, maybe not the amphitheater stage, but everything else he created, right? And so in the book of Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, put on the whole armor of God. You think he'd call us to that? You think he would command us to that if we weren't in the midst of a battle? He says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, how many of you kids play dress up? Raise your hand. Any, any of you kids play dress up ever? How many of you ever dress up like Jedi warriors or knights or princesses? Any, anything like that? Yeah, a few of you? Yeah, I like to put on the Jedi cloak once in a while, you know, practice my lightsaber skills. 
It's easy as kids to step into this role where we say, oh, yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm to be a knight today. I'm going to be a Jedi knight. But as adults, we start to lose it because we don't see that there's a world of warfare in front of us. Now, why is that? Is it because we want to forget that? We just choose to forget it? No, I would suggest to you that it's because we become distracted. Our entire lives are like that dog in the movie that sees a squirrel, right? You wake up in the morning and you might have Jesus on your mind, but how fast do we get, do we get our, our focus moved off to, where's my coffee? Or what do I have to deal with at work today? Or I got to get the kids to daycare. I got to get the kids to school. And we forget constantly because we're constantly distracted. There are things warring for our attention on the outside and inside. Our desires are driving us to a place that is away from Jesus, even as Christians. And so when we think of spiritual warfare, we like to think about the boogeyman or the the demon with the horns that we can see. But the reality is, is spiritual warfare is a lot harder to see than that. The reality is, is that the Bible says that Satan himself showed up as something pretty. You ever think about that? Satan himself showed up as an angel of light. Now, if you think about that for a second, we are innately taught in our society that if something is good and comfortable and pretty, it's got to be innately right. But the reality is, is that's not always the case. And so as Christians, we're called to keep our eyes open and to see whether or not something is of the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. How many of you remember the parable of the sower and the seed? We've talked about it a little bit the last few weeks. The seed is cast out and one of the types of ground it's cast on, it's very fruitful. It immediately grows up, but it says that the weeds come to choke it out. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do you remember what those weeds symbolize and signify? The cares of this world. The cares of this world are innately good things. Our children, our jobs, our hobbies, our cars, right? But they can choke out the purpose and the focus that we're supposed to have as Christians. And so we forget. We become blind to the reality that we are in warfare. If not against external forces, then against internal desires and temptations. Well, in the story that we get to see today, the prophet of God known as Elisha helps us to see this war that is waging right in front of us. And even more importantly, He helps us to know that we have nothing to fear in the midst of the battle because, say it with me, our God is greater. Say it one more time. Our God is greater. I find that we as Christians need to be reminded of that often because whether it's a physical suffering that we're going through of health, whether it's losing a loved one, whether it's losing a job, whether it's retiring and stepping into a new season of life or having a baby, a new season of life, the fears that come along with those things They pull us sometimes away from Jesus and away from the trust and the loyalty that we have to him. And so this morning, I want to remind us that, say it with me, our God is greater. Let's take a read uh, of 2 Kings chapter 6 here, starting in verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. 
He called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak even in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The first thing that we see if you're writing down notes is that our God is greater because our enemy is weak in comparison. Our God is greater because our enemy is weak in comparison. Dothan, the city, it's actually Tel Dothan. It's a, it's a hill upon which the city is perched. And the way that this is written, you see that there's actually mountains around it or hills around it. It's a very kind of uh, hilly terrain. And they were surrounded by what they could see. Can you imagine this poor servant, right? It's one thing if you're Elisha and you're like talking to God all the time, but you're like once removed here as the servant. And, you know, you go out to stretch in the morning. Just imagine it with me. He goes and he opens the door and he stands and, ah, it's going to be a good day. And he looks around and at the top of all the hills, all he sees are horses and chariots. Think about seeing M1 Abrams tanks, right? F-16s flying overhead, troops everywhere. And you think they're here for us. Two guys. That's how much the king of Syria wanted to destroy Elisha. And so he, of course, being smart, runs in and says, we need a miracle. What are you going to do? And Elisha says, don't be fearful. What is it that he says? There are more with us than with them. Now, what if you were that servant? Right? Elisha, I know you're mystical and everything, but what are you smoking? Right? What is happening? You got to be kidding me. There's, There's tons of people out there. And yet Elisha had this firmness of confidence. And so he prays. He prays that the man would have his eyes opened. You see, the faith that Elisha had is so far different than anyone else, including the servant. Think about how little faith the king of Syria had. His big problem is that Elisha knows the movement of troops. So what's his solution? Move the troops, right? He has so little faith in the God of Israel that he thinks he can outwit him for the millionth time, and yet he's defeated. Elisha doesn't even bat an eyelash. He knows that he has confidence. And so, even though the king moves his army there to destroy him, Elisha stands up and says, I'm not worried. Now, I want you to think about whatever situation you have going on today. Maybe you are fighting the hardest battle of your life in terms of addiction or in terms of some inner turmoil that's going on in your life. You want to serve Jesus, but at every turn you feel like you're turning away from him. Maybe you are fighting against something health-wise. Maybe the doctor gave you news recently that 
man, it's just not going to look good. And your trust has started to fade that Jesus has a plan. The reality is, is that Jesus's plan is not just for one individual purpose or person. He doesn't just have a purpose and a plan for you. He is a plan for all creation, the restoration of all things. And he will bring that plan to pass. The New Testament tells us over and over again that we are just like Elisha. We can have the confidence in Jesus Christ that Elisha had in the God of Israel because they're one in the same God. So the reality is, is no matter what we're facing, we can look at it and we can know, God, I trust you. Why can we trust God? Because say it with me, our God is greater. He's greater than whatever you face. Let's take the worst possible scenario of even death. Jesus Christ came to this earth, died for our sins and resurrected for the very proof that even death can't destroy us. Paul says in Romans that there is nothing that can keep us from the love of Jesus. He loves us so very much that he actually gives us a title, Kupernikao, which means more than conquerors. We haven't just stepped on the neck of the enemy and destroyed him. We are over and above beyond that. In basketball terms, this is when you dunk on someone and then hang on the rim for a while just to show them that you dunked on them, right? Okay? I used to be able to do that, not anymore. But I can take stock in the fact that Jesus has made me, has made you more than conquerors because he's greater, he's stronger than anything that the enemy can bring. Here's what the New Testament says in 1 John 4.4. 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He's speaking here in the context of deceitful spirits that come to draw you away from the true and living God. Deceitful spirits that are in the world, deceitful spirits that even come internally. And he says, test the spirits because you know that you've overcome them because of what Jesus has done. No matter what is around us, drawing our attention away from Jesus, even the kids right in front of us, no matter what evil we see in the world, no matter what injustice we witness, we know that it is nothing in comparison with the power of Jesus that will one day fully be known by the entire world. And he gives us the surety of that power now by his Holy Spirit. I met a gentleman yesterday who goes to Salem Heights and he gave us his testimony. We got a chance to pray for him. And he's basically had every uh, physical ailment you can have. He's a young guy. He's got diabetes. His eyes have started to go. He can only see about 20 feet in front of him. Walks with a, a cane to, to figure out where he's going. And uh, he's got tattoos all over his body that speak of Jesus Christ because he's just sold out for Jesus. And it was amazing to sit here and listen to him talk about, my eyes are destroyed. I had to have a kidney transplant just recently. Uh, I have no idea how long I'll be on this earth. But one thing I do know, when I was living for myself, I was not a conqueror. When I live for Jesus, nothing can destroy me. And he's now going into all the places of Salem that a lot of people don't want to go to speak to people about the conquering nature of Jesus Christ. Because of the life he's lived, he's learned obedience through suffering. And he knows that Jesus, while in the moment allowing him physical suffering, will eventually restore his body and bring him back resurrected, stronger than ever, serving on the side of the God that is greater. Say it with me. Our God is greater. Well, let's finish the story here and take a look. Verse 18. 
When the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. I don't know this for sure, but I am pretty positive that when they wrote the line of, These are not the droids you're looking for, they pulled it from this story. You know what I'm saying? Right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? These are not the droids you're looking for. I swear this is, uh, make them blind, Lord. This is not the man you're looking for. Come with me, right? As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. They're in the midst of enemy territory. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Instead, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Well, the second thing you can write down that we see here is that our God is greater because his strength is shown in love. His strength is shown in love. If I'm that general or the servant or his friend, I'd say the same thing. Is it time to strike him down? We got him right where we want him. What do you want to do, Elisha? And Elisha, knowing that he has the power to strike them down, knowing that he is capable of it, he expresses a massive meekness and humility. You know what meekness is? Meekness is strength under control. It's when you have the ability to do something, but you choose not to do it because you know the other response is actually going to be stronger for effect. God doesn't work in a way where he just completely destroys us because we deserve it. If that were true, I would not be standing here. Long ago, probably at the age of about two seconds of birth, I would pro- after birth, I would probably be a pink mist. Because from birth, we are sinful. And God has the power to destroy us. But the reality is that's not how God works. He's greater than that. In fact, Jesus' first teaching, what does he say about enemies? He says, and when you come to your enemies, you need to destroy them. Well, that's not what he said at the Sermon on the Mount. What did he say? He said, you must love them. Because to love an enemy is actually far harder, far stronger, and far greater than to just destroy them. Jesus had what was known as strength under control. And the good news of God's gospel is that even while we were enemies in sin, even while we were enemies in sin, God could have destroyed us and wiped us out. But he didn't. He showed us what we did not deserve. He showed us compassion. And that strength under control helps us to be drawn to him because he could destroy us, but he won't. And so his kindness is what draws us to repentance. And this amazing love that he showed us when we didn't deserve it is how he calls us to turn from all that we've believed before, to open our eyes from the blindness that we've existed in, to understand that we are in the midst of a battle for our own souls and the souls of those around us that we love and even those that we would call our enemies. Now, how could he do this? How could God stand in this position of strength? Well, the reason is, is because of the very thing we're talking about, that our God is greater. 
I need a, an innocent uh, child to come up and show me an example here. Come here. Who wants to be a volunteer? Anybody? I could choose one of you smaller men, but that might get kind of sad. That's a joke. You're coming? Okay. Good job. Good job. Come on. Okay, come here. Now, her shirt is perfect because her shirt says, Big Sister, right? Yeah. How big does she look standing next to me? <laughs> Not very. You're kind of a small one, aren't you? Yeah. Now, if we were to get in a fight, I know you would never fight me, but here, why don't you turn around? Turn towards me. You know what I do? I do this. Go ahead, start swinging. Start swinging. Oh, no, not turning. There we go. Start swinging. Swing at me. Swing at me. Okay? This is how God looks at us. Good job. High five. Big hug. Great job. Can you go downstairs okay? Everybody give her a hand. Perfect job. See, that shows exactly how God can act in that strength is because he's so much greater that even when we try and fight him, we look like that child that's trying to swing at their dad, right? God, I don't understand why you're doing this. And he's standing there the whole time going, I'm here to help you if you just let me. Just calm down. You can trust me. It's going to be okay. Once we understand how great God is, we give ourselves to him, not expecting him to go on our timeline or on our will, but we give ourselves to him because he is greater. God asks us to operate from the same position of strength in loving the unlovable and bringing justice to the unjust, fighting what seems like an impossible battle in the midst of all that calls for our attention in the world. And this can be a very scary thing. But we must realize that we fight not from a position of weakness. Be honest with me. Raise your hand if you feel like sometimes you are fighting just from a position of weakness. Raise your hand. Look around. Our eyes, our senses, our feelings, they tell us that we are the weak ones, that the world is beating up on us. But the reality is, is the world ain't seen nothing yet. Because Christ in you, the spirit in you, can go into Salem and Kaiser and the surrounding areas. And do a work in which when people's eyes are open to it, they will not see the world of injustice in front of them. They will open their eyes and they will be able to say what Elisha said. There is far more with us than with them. You see, Jesus has given us that power because of the last point. You can write this down. Our God is greater because he has already won. Our God is greater because he has already won. Reading in 1 John 4, 4 again, he says this, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. You have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the context that John is giving this encouragement in is again against the powers of darkness, against the spirits that want to deceive us. And he says it's not about to be overcome. It's not in the process. They are overcome. And John knows that we are all like little children. Uh, At the camp yesterday, I can't even tell you the number of people that came up and said, wow, I've heard about you, but I didn't know you were that big. Right? And I want to say every time somebody says that to me, I want to say, do you even understand how much of a little kid I am inside? How much I fight from a position of weakness? How much I still feel like the kid who got picked last on the playground? The reality is, is we sit in a position that feels like weakness. 
But if we get our minds on scripture and we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and we surrender to him, he will speak to us constantly that you and I are from God. We're not going to God in that escapist mentality. We are from God because the Holy Spirit indwells in us individually and us as a community of faith. And because the Father initiated a plan in which his son, Jesus the Messiah, would come to this earth, live a life just like you and me, but in the midst of all the temptation and all the distractions, he would refuse to sin. And in so doing, he would live a sinless life and then go to the cross to sacrifice his own blood for ours, to atone for our sin, the sin that we have committed against God himself. But then three days later, when all the disciples thought all hope was lost, they were begging for help, cowering in a room just like you and I would, the Holy Spirit visited them and started the process. And it wouldn't come until the day of Pentecost, but it was enough to give them the message that Jesus had risen. And so they ran to the tomb and they found that it was true, that victory had been accomplished. And all the disciples started to walk a life based upon Jesus rising again. Is your life based upon that truth that Jesus is risen? He's not dead in a grave. He's not on vacation. Jesus is risen, seated seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. And he has sent all of heaven's forces to work on behalf of the church to bring the gospel to the world around us. And so Jesus has proven that we are more than conquerors, that we have overcome, and that, say it with me, our God is greater. Let's try that again louder. Our God is greater. This morning, I would call you to recognize who you serve and to realize that there is nothing that can overcome him nor his plans for the restoration of all this earth and heaven. Whatever fear, whatever anxiety you face this morning, I want to assure you that, say it with me, our God is greater.